A samurai is never unarmed. Now, will you show yourself and fight like a warrior? Or will you hide in the forest like a monkey? Now, how does a warrior fight? He studs his lineage. He names his house. And he stands his ground. So be it. I am Seito Goemon of House Tokugawa. Inquisitor of Nagasaki. Hunter of Dutch. I will not be defeated. I am Duncan MacLeod of the Clan MacLeod. And I cannot die. We cannot both be the victor. True. There can be only one. <laughs> God now <laughs> welcome to Highlander Rewatch the podcast where each and every week we talk about another facet of the Highlander universe and this week we are talking about the third exciting chapter in the big finish audio stories Secret of the Sword. <laughs> I'm going to be rewatchers. I'm Keith. Now this is Kyle. This is Eamon. If this is your first episode, definitely jump back and listen. I mean, it doesn't listen really to anything else before this <laughs> yeah, one. Right. This is your uh, first but episode. But Big Finish is a British audio company that produces audio stories for like sci-fi properties and fantasy properties, that sort of thing. Uh, so this was produced after the run of Highlander and after Endgame. But before we talk about this story, we of course have to revisit the Highlander catalog. Meow. That's right. How come nobody asks... How is your god now? How is your god now? <laughs> Guys, we're talking swords today. Ooh. Yeah, so... Secret of the sword? This is the best of Highlander sword, and I'm reading mm. out of the 2000 catalog for Highlander. And so I'll read... There's kind of like a header and then a product description. So you ready? Missing for 300 years, the all-inspiring Highlander Kalikmar... I don't know how to say the name of this sword. Kalikmarda... Can I see? I don't want to show it to you. Uh, makes its breathtaking return. <laughs> Wow. Wow, breathtaking. Where did it go? <laughs> when it debuted in the late 17th century, the Kalikmard instantaneously revolutionized the way in which hand-to-hand combat was waged. It's light yet strong and dramatically tapered. Uh, blade moves more, moves once physically impossible, a sudden reality. Wait, what? And dramatically tapered blade made moves once physically impossible, a sudden reality. Aha. Uh-huh. Bolstered by a sweeping endorsement from Louis Fourteenth, who... Cotton to its liberating effect on his rather suspect swordplay, it soon soon became the most sought-after blade in Western Europe. A highly technical and time-consuming blade to craft, its cost was exorbitant. As such, the Kalikmard was elite elite property reserved primarily for royalty and the well-to-do. So this is the Highlander Kalakmod McLeod edition. I really can't say that word. I'm sorry, everybody. I have no, I can't even. All the sword it. nerds out there are like, no! fuck you. <laughs> sorry, I'll stab you to death. Maybe sparing no expense, we obsessed over every measurement, notation, and random sketch. <laughs> random, random sketch on newly discovered historic historic Kalakmod blueprints random in order sketch. to recreate this legendary weapon. No offense, everybody out there. I think we've done this before. 
Really? Maybe. I'm kind of remembering this. Maybe a very early episode. Built upon a muscular brush texture foundation of antique-style stainless steel. Muscular. The, uh, yep. The McLeod edition showcases the filigreed flavor of 17th century Parisian design while at the same time evoking the ancient chivalry of the highlands. Wow. <laughs> Wowzers. Uh, appointed with hand-etched There Can Be Only One and Best of Highlander Crest on the guard, swords are numbered and accompanied by a signed certificate of authenticity. What do you think it is? Eamon, you're up. A thousand dollars. A thousand dollars. Is this price to own? My, no. No, no. My question. <laughs> no, no. My question. <laughs> Kyle, how much do you think this costs? Eamon has guessed a thousand dollars. One thousand. I'm going to guess two hundred and ninety nine dollars. Big gap here. Big gap. Big gap energy. Actual retail price is three hundred and forty nine dollars. No. Kyle, you guessed how much? Two ninety nine. So oh, I am two ninety nine. You are within in within the twenty percent. Indeed, I am. Yes. Wow. Wow. Congratulations. You really shot high on this thing. That, you were really impressed by that description. Like really got me. It does say sparing no expense. Yeah. So, it's like oh, this must it's like be Jurassic Park. Yeah. Uh, how much do you think this might cost? Might cost today six hundred bucks. Five hundred and thirty seven dollars. Wowzers. Wow. Yep. Can I see the pic? You may the see picture. the picture. I want to get which it's, it's a rather care. handsome, although it does have a lot of like text on it. It's like the best of Highlander. Like, huh? Huh? It's a sword commemorating best of swords. VHS tapes. Yeah. The Kalish Kalik Mard. Yeah, I don't know how he would pronounce I don't know. this. Kalik Mard. All right. I have no earthly clue. Kalik. Like that's what a baby gets, right? <laughs> That's right. When yeah. that sword is stabbed through their <laughs> gullet. <Drakey. laughs> well, it said it was French, right? So it's probably like Caliche or something know. like that. Something a little more elegant sounding. I have no clue. Huh. Well, there we go. They're pretty. Fun catalog game today. Guys, we're talking about episode three, The Secret of the Sword. Big finish audio series. The uh, This was recorded January 31st, 2009. So this was recorded a day before the other two stories. Interesting. Yeah, so interesting. It was released in June of 2009. And it was directed once again by Miss Sharon Gosling. Like the bird, right? Is that a bird? A gosling? That's a baby goose. A gosling. Ryan baby goose. This was written by Jonathan Clements. Jonathan Michael Clemens is a British author and scriptwriter. His nonfiction works include biographies of Confucius, Kozinga, is that how you say it? I don't know. know. And Kinshi. The catchphrase? (laughs) From the Big Bang. Yes. As well as monthly opinion columns for Neo Magazine. That's a magazine all about Neo from the Matrix. (laughs) Oh, cool. He is also the co author of encyclopedias of anime and Japanese television dramas. Oh, interesting. How interesting, indeed. So he has some knowledge of Japanese history. He does. That would be helpful in a story like this. That is correct. It stars Adrian Paul uh, and Toby Longworth as. Saito Goemon. Uh, this guy was in Star Wars Episode One as Senator Lot Dodd. Whoa, really? <laughs> <laughs> At least one third of us knows who Senator Lot Dodd was. Shit, I don't have my phone on me. Mm. I have no clue who that is. I don't remember who I'm that is. I'm curious now. Lot Dodd. Does he have an action figure? He has to. Of course he does. They got to make that money. <laughs> Get that money. I believe that's a reference to Trent Lott. To Trent Lott, really? Mm-hmm. Are you serious? Yeah. Wow. Weird. Mm-hmm. Huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bringing the Star Wars Episode One trivia today, Eamon. Why did George Lucas like Trent Lott? Oh, he didn't. Maybe he oh, didn't. Okay. Yeah. It was yeah. interesting. But he has like other political references in that movie. I didn't know that. Yeah. I don't remember the other ones off the it's top probably. of my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, poetry. That's oh, poetry. Right. So the, 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 the Gungans. The Gungans. 
The episode description reads, Duncan McLeod knows a lot about swords. Everyone knows that. Duh. Duh. <laughs> uh, so when he's called in to help Seacover police value an antique blade found hidden away in a museum basement, he thinks nothing of it. But then when he sees the sword, as amazing, beautiful, and ancient as it is, Duncan realizes there might be more to his involvement than originally thought. More than meets the eye, if you will. That's right. So this opens up with some dude being just like, don't move, Dutchman. And I'm like, where are, what, 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 what where what? is this? Who? So we're, jo- which is okay. We're dropped into a scene here. And Matt keeps responding he's like i'm not dutch i'm a highlander but i guess this is because of the large amount of dutch trading that was going on in japan at the time so it's kind of commentary like all white people are dutch basically which is kind of funny i think so this is also funny we get like the origin story of max catchphrase introduce yourself like a warrior right well how do i do that right you state your house and your your like family name or something like that or Mm -hmm. Uh, you're, and, oh, and your lineage or whatever. And so this this guy goes and he says, I am Saito Goemon from House Tagugawa. Yeah, Tokugawa. Tagugawa, uh, Inquisitor of the Marisaki, Hunter of Dutch. And then Mac, of course, says, I am Duncan McLeod of the Clan McLeod. Yeah. Also, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Mac has uttered that phrase dozens of times in the show before this moment. Yeah. Just going to say it. Yeah. I didn't check, but I'm but very confident. Yeah. I am Supremely confident. In I actually, fact. I kind of liked. I kind of liked that. I mean, I kind of like it, like, oh, but it's cool. just like, like also, why does Mac yeah. do that? Like he was it's taught that as wrong. a point of honor. It's also wrong. <laughs> yeah, like I also like it in a vacuum if it wasn't incorrect. <laughs> right. He's the Inquisitor of Nagasaki. Yes. Did I say Marasaki? I think I did because uh, my my notes are riddled with typos. <laughs> riddled. So here's the thing about Duncan's response. He says, I'm Duncan McLeod of the Clan McLeod. And then he says, and I cannot die yeah. well, I think to this person. I think he says it as a counterpoint to, and I cannot be defeated. So, uh, you know, like he says, like, and I cannot die. And also that's a mm. reference to the movie because that's what Connor says. Oh, my yeah. name is kind of, I cannot die or whatever. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And which they turn twist in the second one and it's like, and I'm an alien. And, yeah. And I'm a monster. Since we're done fucking in this dumpster, by the way, I'm an <laughs> alien. <laughs> So uh, the music, like, swells. Max says he can't die, and uh, they say there can be only one, and there's, like, a big sword clang. I thought that was, this was, like, an effective uh, little opening. So we smash cut to the present, and Mac is standing in a loud police station. He says the cops are, like, using typewriters, and then Mac's like, I don't understand. Then, of course, we have to get fully of that. <laughs> but, like, and the hookers. Always the hookers. Al- always, always the hookers. The hookers. Always. Wow. What does that mean? A always. Because he's like, he's like describing all the yeah. people here. Face, he's like, oh, there's some hookers. There's like stupid kids for graffiti. There's some like actual criminals that are like real tough and like, you know. And then he's like, and then there's the hookers. Some, some bad always the hookers. hookers. Some bad hombres. Yeah. I don't get why they use typewriters. Mac, you idiot. Like somebody explained why they do. And he's like, I don't get it. Yeah. <sighs> anyway. So Mac is meeting uh, there with James O'Hara. Uh, and he describes – Mech describes him as a big, friendly puppy. His tune will change by the end of this episode. Yeah. This big, friendly puppy. Uh, Where he is, delivers an Al Pacino-esque, like, evisceration we, we of will this listen, guy. We will listen to that in full <laughs> later because it's oh my God. fucked. So I have a question. Yes. He keep, he says – he says – the way he pronounces it says, is O'Hara. Yes. Is, it is he Japanese? O'Hara? Or is he, like, Irish? I think he's Irish. Is it O'Hara or is it O apostrophe H-A-R-A? I thought it was O apostrophe. That's what I thought, too. But then I'm like, wait, O'Hara. That sounds like a Japanese name. 
I don't actually know if it is, though. Yeah, I, I don't know yeah. either. I, I'm going to assume he is Irish. I also thought that, but then it just keeps making me think of the, the gag in, I guess it's the league, where there's like a white sushi chef. Mm-hmm. Because I'm saying he's from Omaha. Omaha. <laughs> so good. He's from Omaha, Nebraska. That's uh, funny. So maybe it's that kind of thing. Yeah. Huh. I was confused by that. So Mac's here to meet this dude. Then Mac taunts all the fucking criminals because he's like, that's right. I'm here to meet a cop. I'm not one of you. Wah, wah, wah. Suck it. <laughs> so O'Hara's like a disgust. Also, like cute as a dog, but also like a disgusting slob. Yeah. Like he's, like, he's got like his sandwich got, all quote, over his. He's got, quote, sandwich interruptus and has me- that is what he refers to it as. And right, because got- Mac has interrupted him. His, his, his fucking of a sandwich. <laughs> and then. He has mayo all over his face. Yep. Gross. Like, okay. All right. And Mac points out that he has a, a black tie that has a little yellow star on it. And it's like, okay, is this going to be important later? Apparently in this insane <laughs> plot twist at the end of this yeah. story. Okay. So he's there to ask Mac about some antique store- swords. And Mac realizes at this point, oh, it's like this is an insurance thing. This is why they need me to value mm-hmm. something. So they go into like this interrogation room. Did anyone listen to the, the music in this, sec- this section? I, I don't First know if we question. should play it. It's Hang like on. the Flash soundtrack. First question. Why are the police... Reaching out to value a sword for the benefit of an insurance company. Right. Immediately, I'm like, what the fuck? I mean, they might, the police might have reasons why they need to value something. Like, just as a, for instance, some like larceny statutes and things like that function off the value of something, which is actually a major problem now because it's really easy to trip over them by stealing someone's phone. Oh. Because you can just like snag it and all of a sudden you've committed a felony, Mm. (laughs) even though it's like just as easy as stealing any other small handheld thing. Regardless, no reason to assume this is an insurance thing. Go on. Uh, so this guy, O'Hara, pulls out a sword from, like, a filing cabinet and bubble wrap, and he just, like, throws it on the table. And Max's like, whoa, buddy. How, like, long is this filing cabinet? That a sword can fit? That a fucking Japanese samurai sword can fit into it. Is so this, like, I have a the longest assume. drawer? So like, it, it could be the the kind that is primarily horizontal. Because I, I have a ca- like filing like cabinet in my office. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 I've got a filing cabinet in my office that could theoretically do it, but, yeah. like... It's not built for it, obviously, but... The sufficient dimensions. We have to listen to Max cop voice. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Here yes, we go. All right, here we, we do. Go. Other reason I don't think this guy's supposed to be Japanese is that I don't trust Adrian Paul would play a Japanese guy without doing an offensive voice. <laughs> That's, that just, is a good point. I just don't think it would happen. Here's some questions about antiques, because you're the man. He says, you're the man for the antique swords. And I suppose if you want to put it like that, I suppose I am. I caught myself in the mirror and I tried to sit up straighter like I wasn't worried. Then I tried to slouch a bit like I'm not trying to sit up straighter. Oh, this was silly. I guess that's how these rooms are designed, though, to make you feel like you're guilty, even if you're not. So he said, here's the thing. They've got something in the station that needs some expert assistance. Something that's turned up in cold cases and the old cases that everyone's forgotten about. Well, I guessed if this was about antique... It's bound this to be old. flash music, guys. And he said to me that he wanted me to appraise something for his value. Just that. Kind of weird for the police to be on this. But then it all clicked. This was an insurance thing, and I've done those plenty of times. He needed me to tell him how much something was worth so he could report it to the insurance people so that they knew they were being scammed on a claim or something. He said, 
I want to know everything there is to know. I want you to take a look and give it your best shot. Just talk. Say everything that's in your head, and we'll see where that takes us. Fine by me. So he turned around and oh boy, grabbed his. I won. He said, "I won you to know." <laughs> I won Obi Wan Kenobi. Max voice like fluctuated forty two billion times yes. in that. He just like reading. can't. He chose such a sw- intense accent for this guy, and he can't keep it up. Nope. And the fact is, like, he doesn't even just drift into a milder version of it. He just drifts back into his normal <laughs> speaking voice. He sounds kind of like Tom Wilkinson in Batman Begins, uh, uh, who plays what's his name? Uh, not Maroney. Uh, what's his fuck? Falcone. Falcone. Uh, another yeah. British. But you haven't thought it through. Yeah, right. It's like he. Re- <laughs> it's like, do you just want to do like a, re- a regular American accent? No, we got to really put some affect on this, and it's uh, it's quite a treat there. The like power. a dog. <laughs> like a dog. God damn it! I, cut, I, I, I love cut that movie. Kyle's but that's a Maroney off. No, it's fine. But Kyle's Maroney. Mac argues that, like, oh, there could be all sorts of reasons this, this fucking blade's fragile. Like, blood rust, I guess he says, and all this yeah. other stuff. Because uh, O'Hara's just like, oh, it's a fucking sword. You're supposed to smash him around and shit. What does it matter? Yeah. So Mac looks closely and sees there's little crosses etched into the, the hilt or whatever. And he's like, wow, this means it's, like, 400 years old. And those crosses mean something special in Japan. And then, boom, we get a flashback to Japan. And Mac is in prison. So I guess he lost that fight? Yes. Because I was actually questioning. I was like, wait a minute. Did we get the end of the episode, like, the final fight as the teaser? And we're going to lead up to it. Negative. I was actually confused. I was confused because, of course, Mac would have won the fight, you would think. So he says that he was captured by samurai that were, like, surrounding the area and that, like, Saito cheated. Right. The, but people had nets and shit or One something. of the first fucking things Saito says to McLeod is that he's surrounded. Yes. So you he, are... like, tells him this is going like, to happen. Like, he told him. <laughs> this writing is terrible. It's so strange. So he captured him. And then they have the most <laughs> surreal fucking conversation. Just the one about calendars? Yes. <laughs> about all you kinds You count of- the days barbarically. <laughs> yeah. You dishonor the divine emperor by counting years in this way. Only it's pretty... Like, also, what's the name of the actor who plays this guy? Toby. <laughs> okay, yeah. That is what I thought. Because this is like some Master Splinter Kevin Clash shit. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh, you will dishonor uh, the empire. <laughs> it is fucked. It is not cool. And this is 2009. Yep. This is 2009. I don't know. This is like somebody's embarrassing dad doing a shtick. It's not good. And he's like, where'd you get that sword, Mac? You fucking stole that sword. Right. And Mac's like, well, where'd you get your sword? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. I just got mine a minute ago from a dead guy. But... Right. So this conflict hinges on the fact that, like, Mac is a white dude in Japan. Like, he's not allowed to be there. And so they call back references to the episode The Samurai in Season 3, where Mac is, like, shipwrecked. And he's making his way from, I guess, southern Japan to northern japan to get to this island that is like this strange bastion of like dutch trading like that's the only place that's allowed to happen right because they were notoriously xenophobic at the time and the dutch were the only ones with a trading relationship with them and even then it's like you could like hang out on the island the other weird thing is saito describes that place as his holy ground and saito does this through the whole episode where he unintentionally makes references to the immortal like 
mythos. Mm. Yeah, that happens all the time. It happened at the beginning of this episode where it's like, oh, we're going to have a duel, but there can be only one winner. Right. And it's like, okay. Uh, okay. It's weird. Pause all right, so we, we cut back to the present, and Mac is explaining these crosses that are etched on the sword. He, with the, the connection into that is, he's like, well, yours is the sword of a Christian samurai. Right. He's like, how could you know this? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> that is what he says. Yep. It is bad. Don't blame me. Blame this thing. So we got our little history lesson here that I guess the range of Christian design influence was between the 16th and 17th centuries. So it's a small window to date this thing, which makes it special, right? Yeah. Oh, and I also thought Matt kind of shits on the Japanese a bit here. Anyone catch this? That Matt is like, they were really scared of white the white man. Like, clocks and spyglasses spy were like magic to the Japanese. I was like, no, fuck, fuck God, off. No they- goddamn way that is true. Right. Like, nope. It's not like magic to them. Ugh, yeah, it was just a little. It's yeah, it doesn't come off good. It's a bad. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's that sounds good too. It's me, Mario. <laughs> so Max says the the suba, I guess, is the handguard, and he values it because it's got these church markings on it. Like that, more people would be interested. Like the, a church museum might be interested in this, and art museums, and blah blah blah. Like it has a place in history. So he's like this the the. The handguard might be worth $1,000 alone, right? And then Mac takes a knife to the tang or whatever it is of the blade to, like, remove it and see who the sword makers, like, the emblem, their signature is on there somewhere. And he also mentions that, like, that little bit of paper or string or whatever that covers it up is, like, new. And he can tell that the sword is, like, used. Right. Because at first this he's like, like, oh, this, this, could, like this the- could be from World War II, like, where I guess they made a lot of, like, cheap copycat blades that were kind of just ceremonial because it seemed like they kind of tapped into their history, like, oh, our generals will be samurais. Like, yeah. So. So this is like the, the four times in this episode they flip flop back and forth between Mac and Mac being O'Hara, being like, "Oh, I thought it was an antique. You're supposed to treat it gently," and they like keep doing it back and <laughs> forth to each other. Also, while Mac is describing this, he goes, "And you can see on the katana, uh, excuse me, samurai, samurai sword. sword." And I'm like, "It's 2009. Who doesn't know what a katana it is? is? It also, means Japanese it means sword. Japanese sword to quote samurai. samurai cop, which is a hilarious movie. Also, the riff tracks version of it." Is on Amazon Prime hey. for free if you have Ooh, Amazon Prime. Look at so that, baby. Watch it. Hey, rewatchers, if you don't already know, you can go over to patreon.com and if you contribute at the highest tier, that is the legendary VMOS tier rewatcher, you get to come on this very podcast and have a sweet little fan interview. And we are bringing you the next of our. Fan interview series with friend of the show, Mike. Mike, how you doing, man? Oh, I'm doing good. How are you doing? Living the dream. We are doing oh, yeah. well. We have Keith and me, Eamon, here as well. And thank you so much, Mike, for joining us today. Uh, that's my pleasure. So who is Mike? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you do? Um, what do you do for... This is like the world's worst interview question where you sit, you, you go to sit down and some intimidating guy's like, tell me about yourself. And you're like, fuck. <laughs> you're not going to ask me the, hey, where are you going to be in five years? Or, hey, what was the hardest thing uh, you had to I do on the job? Hold on, hold on. We got to reconvene and work out these questions, I think. <laughs> <laughs> that was the next, next question. Mike, question. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. By day, um, I pretty much quit broadband for a cable company. And that's not very exciting. What I do on my off time is basically I'm on Twitter a lot and I follow a lot of podcasts and because I follow a lot of them and interact with them, I guest on some of them sometimes. That's like a lot like what happened here. 
Oh, yeah. Exactly. I got almost to a T. So how did you find our rinky-dink little podcast here? I'm a huge fan of Rock Solid, and anything that they do, I usually clutch onto. And I noticed Pat was on an episode of yours and where you were talking about the music of Queen. I'm a big Queen fan. I'm a big Rock Solid fan. And I really enjoyed the episode that you guys did with him. So I figured I'd check the show out. Um, I was a fan of the first film. I hadn't really watched the TV series, but I got into some of your episodes where you talked about the movies, and then I decided to watch the show along with the series, and I'm a huge fan now of the show. That's great. I'm so glad that the Rock Solid Podcast brought you into our fold. That's great. That's with a friend of the show, Pat Francis. That's right. And so what what are some of the other podcasts you've guested on? that our our listeners can check out and listen to you. I've guested twice on the Movies That Rock podcast. I talked about the film Tommy with a fellow, that stars fellow Highlander alumni, Roger Daltrey. Wow. And I also did an episode of Above Us Only Sky, which was a documentary that came out about John Lennon and Yoko Ono recording the Imagine album that came out on Netflix a few months back. Mm-hmm. I've been on Pop, a pop culture podcast, where I talked about the uh, Pink Floyd album, Animals. And I've been on everything I learned from movies where I we actually talked about doing a Highlander reboot, and I gave my choices. Ooh, what was the Highlander reboot idea? Uh, basically, it was me and two other guests, and we just pretty much tried to decide which actor we, we would pick, um, who would do the score, um, what some of the battles would be. And then after we did the episode, we had a poll online, uh, kind of determining who the winner was and i lost to a computer generator on the results (laughs) wait so what was your idea and what did the computer come up with that beat it because now i'm very curious one of the things like i picked for the score i wanted toto to do like the music for a reboot since i thought that might be a good choice nice the computer generator picked russell crowe to do the music (laughs) Wow, that computer didn't see Les Mis. Is he in a band or something? He is in a he band. In a band. Oh, he is? Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. That's, I feel like you got a raw deal. Yeah. A little bit. And wait, so <laughs> did, did, was it only on that metric that the computer beat you, or were there other things? Like, who did you want uh, to star? Do you say that already? Who you wanted to star as the Highlander? The titular Highlander. I had uh, Keanu Reeves uh, starring as Highlander. I think oh, the computer generated. Yeah. I think like the computer generator picked like Robert De Niro or something like that. <laughs> wow. Also, what an age inappropriate choice. I know. Did you cut off my head? <laughs> Did you cut off my head? I heard things. I heard things. I heard things. You. You're good, Ramirez. <laughs> You're good. That's amazing. And who was voting for – like who po- saw the computer's choices and was like, yes, that. I think the reason that the computer generator won is because it was the host cat. So he was doing the generator for that. And that, people love cats. So I think that's why they won. Are you watching along with us? Like what season of the TV show are you up to? I'm actually a couple of episodes ahead of you right now. I'm on episode two of season six just Pretty much because I wanted to see what happened, but Ooh, I've kind right. of been taking a break. It's, uh, the timing's not surprising on that that little break. It's like Highlander. I'm sorry, it's not you, it's me, but it's <laughs> <Yeah>. really you. <laughs> it really is. What about the movies? Have you watched all of the movies? I have seen all the movies. Um, 
I saw Highlander Endgame a really long time ago. I haven't watched it recently. And I did watch two and three pretty recently to kind of go along with the podcast. I had seen two and three a long time ago. How did they um, end up on a rewatch for you? Uh, <laughs> I, like, I actually kind of like Highlander 2 just because it's really cheesy. It's just good to watch like as a bad movie. I don't have any interest in watching Highlander 3 ever again. <laughs> <laughs> it's like almost in like a weird valley where it's like almost not bad enough. Yeah. It's like shrug. Like- to be like a fun yeah. watch. It's yeah. just like, okay, this is just limping along. Yeah. I do appreciate Highlander too for its like weirdness and it is a movie I would watch again for those reasons. Yeah. And to see what's his name? John C. McGinley or John McGinley get his nards crushed. That's right. Crush yeah. those nards. McGinley got nards. That's right. Do you have a favorite episode of the show that you've watched so far? I really like the Samurai, the season three opener. That's one that's coming to mind right now. Um, usually the ones that Roger Daltrey and Roland Gift have been on, I like. I mean, those are heavy hitters right yeah, there. Yeah, those are always solid choices. Xavier. Xavier. With the exception of Double Jeopardy? Oh, that's right. Xavier was in that, and that's kind of a throwaway yeah. part. Yeah. That's but other good. than that, if they're, if they're in the episode, it's probably awesome. Mm-hmm. And you're a Daltrey, a Daltrey fan. So were you, like, surprised when you saw Daltrey on the Highlander television series? I wasn't that surprised because I know he had been on the Highlander ah. television series just because I was a big Daltrey fan, so I knew that he'd been on there. But I hadn't seen the episodes until recently. Were you originally a movie fan first? I would say I was a movie fan first. Um, it wasn't until real later after I became a fan of Queen that I really got into the first Highlander film. Are you a Connor man or a Duncan man? Both kind of have their pros and cons. Pros and maybe cons. I'm. Oh, snap. I maybe would say Duncan might be a little bit better overall, even though he can be a real asshole at times. <laughs> <and that kinda laughs> yeah, I feel like. Duncan, just by virtue of him being in more stuff, just has more opportunities to be a dick. Yeah, sure. he's got like more highlights yeah. and more lowlights. You yeah, know? you know, kind of just like hey, yeah. <laughs> Connor might be a really nice guy, and we just haven't really seen that much, That's just right. because we only had four films. Yeah, he's just like so rumpled. I can never really <laughs> tell what's going on. So you talked about uh, the Rock Solid podcast. Uh, you must be into music. Do you have any like favorite bands you'd like to share with? the listeners like people you should like check out one band you should check out is a uh, porcupine tree they were around mainly in the 90s and 2000s um they're headed by a guy named Stephen wilson who still has a great solo career they're pretty much like a mix between pink floyd and radiohead i guess would be the best description that's, a, of- that's an auspicious description yeah <laughs> Yeah, no, no pressure to live up to that. Ooh, other head to head. Dr. Ann Lindsay or Tessa? I maybe go with Ann Lindsay. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. We're, I think we lean more towards Ann, do we? I think so. Why, yeah. why do you like Ann more? Is there a reason? I think Tessa kind of has some of the same qualities that Duncan has at times, and that's kind of a turn off a little bit. Fair. I yeah. mean, she's always beheading people. <laughs> <laughs> She's always mean to the mentally ill. Uh, That's what brought them together. Yeah, exactly. No, see, good choice. I'm glad Anne's getting not a little love on the internet, but at least a little love Yeah, if Duncan's not going to give her some love, we're going to give her some some love. Give me some room. Give me some room. (laughs) Give me some room. As a slightly newer fan, do you have uh, any Highlander merch? Or is that was that uh, before your Highlander fandom? Um, I don't really have that much merch. I just 
kind of have the film on one of those steel books, Blu-rays, but that's about it. Queen albums, I guess. See, that's all you need, really. You know, you don't need a denim jacket that costs five hundred dollars that says Highlander on it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Uh, Keith, do you have something like that? I have a denim jacket. It did not cost $500. I got it for free. Oh, okay. <laughs> that is a lot less than $500. Because I bought like a $300 sword. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh. You didn't really get it for Yeah, free. they get you on the back end there. Yeah. Mm. That's, that can be the Highlander. That's the Highlander 4 title. <laughs> Highlander, the colon, they get you in the back end. Yep. They get you in the back end. Darkness. <laughs> 55. You don't have that sweet screensaver package, do you? I do. I do on this <laughs> screensaver. It used to run on my gateway computer. But sadly, I can't get the, the disc to work anymore. Oh. I want it to. I want it to. <laughs> so you can save your screen. Mm-hmm. Your screen just needs a bunch of pixelated savings. images. Like the quality of the images on that disc must suck so bad. Mike, we asked this question of almost all of our interview subjects. Um, would you want to be immortal? I would not. I think that would suck. Ooh, why? I think it would suck because, like, everyone that you know pretty much is going to end up dying because they're going to be mortal. You always have the chance of somebody coming around and cutting your head off. So you'd be living in fear all the time. Keith, how does that work for you? Because I, I, I seem to think that you live in fear all the time anyway. So For a multitude of reasons. Yeah, yes, so. so this actually sounds like a step up for you. Yeah, it is. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Mike, we should ask. We, we want to know where, uh, you know, people listen to our podcast and our Highlander fans from all over the place. Where are you calling from? I am calling from Urbana, Ohio, which is about an hour west of Columbus, Ohio. Great. Yeah, nice. The uh, For a second, I, I almost asked if you were from Delco here in Pennsylvania. Delco? Yeah. yeah well, that's Del- our nickname for Delaware, Delaware County. County. Yeah, <laughs> which is, has a slightly similar, I think has a similar accent. To what you're putting down for us here today. I get that all the time from salespeople at work. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> like, hey, are you from New Jersey or right. are you from Philadelphia? Or... Yeah. You, you say Philadelphia like a true Philadelphian. So, yes, yeah, so true. We, hats off to you. Yeah. We, we cheers our Miller High Life light to you. <laughs> yes. Boy, that is a mouthful. Not of good beer, but <laughs> a mouthful of beer. Yeah, pretty bad beer. Yep. Yeah, yep. indeed. <laughs> Tell me about it. By all, by all measurable standards. <laughs> standards. <laughs> <laughs> and some that are ineffable. Mm-hmm. Awesome, Michael. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it was really great to talk to you. And we really appreciate your patronage and everyone else out there that has contributed to the podcast. It really means a lot. And, uh, yeah, we've been able to do a lot more things. We're currently recording these episodes with videos and, I don't know, new stuff's coming down the pipe. So it'll be good. Yeah, thank you so much for your kind patronage. Uh, is there anything you want to, like, plug or anything? Um, if you want to check me out. I'm on the Twitter at Michael Bagford. You can follow me. I do an album of the day for Rock Solid. Um, you can see if I'm doing any podcasts. Uh, you can just hear random music talk. Uh, that's the place to check me out at. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Mike. If you wonderful people at home would like to do an interview like this, you just got to get to your computer or phone and go to patreon.com slash rewatched where you can find our Patreon page, become a contributor. And hey, this could be you. But right now, the you in question is Mike. Mike, thank you so much for being here. You're a beautiful man. Yes, thank you so much, Mike. Uh, you're quite welcome. Thanks for talking with me. So Muramasa is the person that built that sword. Yes. Which we will find out about soon. So we so, get another flashback. But a very short... It's just like, oh, I was just like running through the forest. I remember yeah. these things. Uh, and it's the, the he names the island. It's the island Deshma. Dejma? 
that Digimon. 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 Yeah, Digimon. Digital, Digital monsters. monsters. Yep. Digimon are the champions. Uh, but he's also worried to digital oh champions to save the digital world. <laughs> I think that's the second time we've done that yes. on this show. I, I hope so. Yep. My reaction was the same this time. <laughs> what? <laughs> you fucking nerds. <laughs> uh, so Mac is also at this point getting worried in the present that he's like, I can't lie too much because it's probably inevitable that they'll get a second opinion. Mm. And when that opinion is so different than mine, they'll know I was like hiding something. Like I can't lie to them outright. Yeah. Right. So he acknowledges it's like craftsmanship. Right. And, and he acknowledges that it's a Muramasa. Then back in Japan, uh, Saito says his co- sword can cut through five men. At one time. At one like time. With one stroke. Right. Which is insane. That is insane. Because <laughs> he is tied Mac to a post. With the intention of chopping him in half. Uh, but Mac also says, I guess there's a lot of, like, curses that, like, yes. are associated with these. So there were these, like, men's clubs, these, like, samurai clubs after, I guess it was after the Civil War, mm-hmm. that samurais were essentially retired. Like, there's no more wars to fight. Like, what do samurais do? It's like a VA or something. Yeah. Uh, so they would have these clubs and get together to either do like ceremonial fighting stuff where you fought for points instead of killing each other and honor and all this sort of stuff. But then they also had an art club and I was like, wow, this sounds pretty good. If this was American, it would just be like a uh, light beer and like Cheetos. Uh, but this is like, let's appraise art together. Like, you know, bros do. Yeah. As uh, one does. <laughs> I thought it was pretty amazing. So there were all these kind of stories associated with these blades that like they, ha- like once they're unsheathed, they have to draw blood and all this sort of stuff. And they're cursed. By demons. So, yeah, this is where, yeah, now Mac and Saito are chained. Or Mac's chained to the post looking at Nagasaki Harbor. Right. So he can see the island he was trying to get to. Yeah, he's, like, taunting him. And, yeah, so he decides he's going to chop him up, test his blade, uh, which has a particular name, I guess, for when you test your blade on someone. Right. This is when Mac, like, challenges his honor. He's like, you had other people capture me. Like, you disgrace samurai. Uh, like, don't pretend to be a real samurai. You're not. Right. And Mac decides to try to taunt him by basically admitting that he had accomplices that helped him get to this point. Right. So, like, oh, like, if you kill me before I rat them out, like, you lose. Right. Because eventually, like, the family you're from, they, they'll lose power. They're worried about losing power anyway. Yeah, that this will be a problem eventually. He serves, like, the Tokugawa shogunate, I guess. And there is actually something to... I was not able to verify some of the details that are about to follow, but apparently even though Muramasa swords were originally favored by Ieyasu Tokugawa, or Tokugawa Ieyasu and his vassals, eventually those swords became like a symbol of like the anti-Tokugawa movement. Mm-hmm. Like people who did not support him used them as a emblem of rebellion right so back in the present i guess max says he'll just be like i'll give you five thousand dollars for the sword or whatever uh because he knows how much it's worth but he says it's worth possibly two million dollars or more yes this guy then asks the very simple question oh have you seen this sword before right and then Mac gives the most guilty-sounding answer. Mac chooses to live. Adrian Baldwin chooses to deliver the response like the most guilty yes. person <laughs> on the planet. What? I don't know. I just. I, how would I know if I'd seen this before? Maybe. I mean, swords have a providence. I don't know if I saw the providence. How would I know if I'd seen the sword before? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Just say no. Yeah. Say, nah, this nah. sword? Wait, which which one? This one? This one right here? <laughs> have I seen this sword? <laughs> yeah, you can say, like, no, but I've seen ones like it. Right. Yeah. I don't 
it's so strange. Uh, so they talk, they get into a deep conversation about the Providence, about, you know, wh- which is this thing that, like, it's just a lineage of who's owned this things and who's owned this things, I just said, who owned the sword and the battles it was in and all that sort of stuff, right? But he also reveals that an immortal that we all know about is the owner of this sword. That's right. Michael that is Kent. The immortal Michael, Michael Kent. Michael. Michael Kent. From the episode The Samurai. And like an asshole, <laughs> he – all right, there are a lot of assholes in this. But let's start with Michael Kent. He used company money <laughs> to buy a sword. What the fuck is that? <laughs> I don't he know. He's a bad guy. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if he's got shareholders, but if he does, they're going to get sued for spending money on this because it is a baffling thing to do. Yeah. But second, Mac, apparently, when he was in Japan – Upon murdering Michael Kent, saw the sword, took it, smuggled it into the United States for some reason, and then deposited it at the Seacouver Museum. Like secretly. And secretly. And also, and well, so- we, should, we should mention that because there's like – it's incongruous with the other things that happened. In this, he says, I like snuck it in and so put that, it in the museum. And like seemingly destroyed any record that could show that he put it there. That, that happens late, yeah, Oh, boy. God, By a fire. A fire. Matt, all right. Fine. Uh, We're so just, a mysterious just fire destroys let's, any record of who might have given this. Guys, stuff. I'm going to pull the switch. Let's just let this off the rails. So, <laughs> yeah. Because this, this, this is the trolley problem. <laughs> Uh, question. Michael Kent, that w- that fight was in Japan? Yes. It's been a long time since I've seen yep, that episode. It was absolutely mm-hmm. in Japan. So they fl- mm-hmm. Mac flies back to Japan for that fight on the shore. Yes. <sighs> okay. Because she runs away. The That's wife, right. The she... wife runs, uh, bleh, runs away. The w- <laughs> The wife runs away. Yes, yeah, so that fight is in Japan. Okay, is this the is this the sword he uses in the fight? No, no. this is Michael. This Kent's is Michael Kent's sword. sword. So he picks that's what it up I mean. Later. Like, is it? But is it Kent's sword that like? Yes. Kent was using the fight. Yes. Mac. Right. Okay. When Kent loses, Mac is like, "That sword's really nice. It would be a shame to just like leave it here." Right. So I'm gonna take it. And like, Why I know this is a multi. Time? I know this is a multi million dollar historical relic. Of the people of Japan. Oh, shit. I'm going to, <laughs> Take a, to, I'm going to steal it and <laughs> smuggle it into the United States. Why not leave it there? Yeah, right? Leave, leave it. it. Oh. Don't put it in a museum. Or give it to that woman who you were there to protect. Sure. This sword, we're come to learn, was a shrine sword for a long time. Right. Just put it in a goddamn shrine where people can enjoy it. I don't know. Do literally anything. Except def- for what you did. Yeah. <laughs> definitely don't smuggle it into the U.S. of A. And then burn valuable records to hide yeah. your malfeasance. Right. Yeah, Max started well, a fire in a museum. That is so reckless. All right. So this is, this is the part that I, that I don't get because he says I snuck it into the museum, right? But then later he has to burn records that he donated it. And I'm like, well, if you d- – uh, well, all, right. I, all right, so I think this is what it is because okay. I thought about this a lot as well. I entirely oh, so thinking too- about it as much as I did. Yeah. So I think what happens is Mac puts it there, and he's right. like, "Well, there's gonna be a lot of questions because it's here, right. and no one donated it." So he burns a bunch of the records, so that then when they go to see it, they're like, "Where is this? What is this? Why is it here? We don't have any records of it." Oh. Someone must have given it to us, and the records were destroyed. What a piece of shit. Because, all right, the way I I saw it going was because the writing is so schlocky uh, that they said he snuck it in, but then it's like a couple pages later they were like, oh, and then he donated it. So there's a paper trail, paper paper trail, and he decided to destroy that paper trail. All right, I'm I'm on board your thing then. Yeah. But also, so they'll ask questions, but who can't, like, are they going to really find answers when they find this sword? Is it really going to get traced back to Mac? Like... 
they'll just find the sword and be like, I don't know how this got here. End of story. Like, and they'll never find the answer. Yeah. Why well, not just I, leave it at that? But the danger is if they ever find out if the Japanese police, by doing whatever it is they're doing, ever have reason to think this sword was involved in the killing or in this fight, right. or are looking for the sword. They will know that Duncan McLeod is the one who gave it to the museum. Uh, obviously, meaning he was involved in some way. Right. If there's a paper trail. If there's a paper If he trail. donated it on the up and up. Correct. Right. Okay. But the other thing that's crazy is that Matt goes on a long tangent about, about how important the the, uh, the providence of any item is. And then he destroys the providence of possibly hundreds of items. Does he? He says he destroyed all those records. But isn't that part of it? I don't know. I mean, when, probably not. I mean, like, well, I don't, he never had the providence for this thing. No, I'm not saying he. So destroyed. there's no guarantee that whatever he's, whatever records he's destroying include the providences for these antiques. Not necessarily, but but uh, providences don't necessarily travel. Like he ends up getting this bizarre fax thing sent to a, or this fax gets sent to O'Hara with all of the providence. But it's like it seems like it's hundreds of pages long. Like the providence isn't some like words hundreds word, of pages. He described it as like he came in with like piles of paper. Yeah. Uh, like the providence isn't like some word document that some like somebody built a timeline. The providence is like, oh, we have a receipt here. We have a journal entry that says they use the you know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it's compiled through historical research. So when someone goes to do the providence of some items that are in the museum, those receipts of donations or purchases or whatever are part of that. Like right. that's how you establish your providence. So oh. so he's like really fucked up. I mean what a I'm, what a piece of shit! I'm beginning uh. to think there's an issue <laughs> with the writing here. I don't know. What do you think, Eamon? I'm starting to rethink this whole big Finnish audio thing. <laughs> this makes no sense that he would bring this across countries. And like you said, s- set a fire in a museum. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's there's smoke. Like, what if the sprinklers went on? I mean, I, I don't know. It's so reckless because he couldn't come up with a scheme to mail this somewhere. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You could have figured out a way to do this, man. Also, so the other thing he finds out by looking at this providence for this sword, he finds a record of his own death by this same sword that he ends up fighting again hundreds of years later. Yeah. Like, what a coincidence. <laughs> yeah, what a coincidence. Like, did he know that Michael Kent had the same sword as Goemon when he saw him? I don't know. Either. So back in the flashback, Mac is chained to this post, and he's going to cut him open or whatever, because he won't give him the death of, like, uh, the beheading, right? Yeah, which, why does Mac request I can beheading? figure that out. This was, it just was like, so confusing. Right. Because why did he, he just go, okay. Was it just, like, because he knew the guy would be like, as soon as you request, be like, no, I'm not going to give you that. Yeah. I don't know. So Mac makes him make a promise. Mac is just, like, once again tells him he's immortal. He's like, I'm going to come back from the dead and fucking kill you. Kill you. <laughs> right? And he's like, meet me on the bridge. Leave my sword. Like, promise me. Like, you, you're samurai honor. Promise me you'll do this. And the guy's like, okay. And then he Which, murders Why Mac. does he agree to it? I don't know. I guess as to he's about satisfy to the split honor. split this guy open. <laughs> like, he's about to turn him into a banana peel. Spoily. Back in the present, Mac is worried because he's now, like, he's really putting pieces together that I don't know who would put these pieces together. But the police must realize this is not the murder weapon because through whatever evidence they have, they could determine the size and, like, shoulder width and blade of the actual weapon used. And it must not have been this. So Mac is starting to get, like, a little worried, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I think he's giving him a lot of credit. (laughs) Like a lot of credit. And also, I thought he thought it was an insurance scheme. And now he's, like, I guess questioning that. Right. Although, is it O'Hara's the one that's, like, questioning it, right? Like, wait a minute. 
Like it started out as an insurance thing, but maybe O'Hara's thinking like, wait, there's wait, more to this. You know a lot about this. Yeah, and he's like, where were you in October 1994? It's like, I don't fucking know. Which he says, but he also says that very guiltily. I don't know. Where were you? I don't know. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. but um, like, it's like, oh, I know where I was. I was there killing that guy. <laughs> so uh, we get our, I guess, final flashback now to Japan. Saito shows up at this bridge at midnight. He's drunk. Yes. On a flaskish sake. And he's like, I killed you, Dutchman. Oh, that's right. Where is your god now? <laughs> and then Mac shows up. So this is now what we get the story where Mac uh, sets the fire, all this nonsense. I, I don't know how much of this we need to play because... Mac is, like, done with this interview. Yeah, he's like, oh, I'm the focus of this now. Right. And so he gets up and knocks on the glass. There's, like, a, a mirror, right? Yeah, like in a lot of these Yeah, like a rooms. one-way mirror, right? One-way, two-way mirror? That's that one way. It's a- we got confused we, about we this, brought this before. Up before. It's a, I think it's a two-way mirror. Two-way mirror? Or is it a one-way mirror? I don't know. Some-way mirror. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I don't think it matters because I don't think you would refer to a regular mirror as anything other than a mirror. Yeah. Right. So as soon as there are ways involved. <laughs> okay, so Mac knocks on this thing and starts like yelling to people like, Are you enjoying the show or whatever? And it's like, why would Let me guess. There's two Japanese guys back there. <laughs> yeah. What? 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 This is so weird. It's well, first off, as far as I can tell. I think this was an insurance – like, this is an insurance thing. That and Mac seems to even call it out. Ma- that still seems to be Max. Because degree. Mac uh, seems to realize, like, I think the insurance people from the company, like, realized how much this thing was worth. So it was worth them hiring Tokyo police officers to fly to America to, like, look into this because they're going to get a huge payday. Also, Kyle, you might know this as a lawyer. He mentioned because the insurance company paid out the policy on the sword – they now own the sword. Is that, that is almost certainly untrue? <laughs> That's what I was like. Wait a minute. Almost what? definitely, because like the the import the purpose of insurance is not that like the insurance company might be able to get a windfall <laughs> if they paid you out, right? And for okay, <laughs> yeah, I've got more on this. Good, go because they've got the providence. The company that owns it had the providence of the sword. So why would they have given an inaccurate valuation? They know what the thing is. So why would they have paid out less? I don't know. Why would the company have accepted less? But why would any of that Maybe they happened? got the yeah. Providence later after, as part of the research into it. I don't know. But then Mac does this whole mine hunter shit <laughs> on O'Hara. And he's just like, you schlub, like, they're using you for this insurance thing. And, like, they just foisted it onto what? you, the, like, laziest, worst cop in the precinct. Okay, this is what we got to <laughs> listen to. Also, this the way Mac puts this together is because he realizes that the tie O'Hara's wearing is, like... A gift from Tokyo. Right, because it's, like, a police tie. And yeah. so these cops were like, oh, here, thanks for helping us have a tie. All right, let's listen to this because Mac turns on O'Hara so hard. This is really fucked up. Because nothing ever happens at cold cases. That's why they're cold. You know what the Japanese call people like you, O'Hara? Hey, why don't we ask them? Why don't we ask the two Japanese detectives behind the glass? I don't need to see them. It'll be an old guy stinking of cigarettes wearing a long trench coat because he thinks he's Colombo. And some preppy young 20-something who does all the talking. Because he's the one who did a year at Siku Tech, and that's where he learned English. I can work it out. They turned up two days ago. Three days ago? Two days ago. And someone said, you better handle it, O'Hara, because there are people out there with real crimes to investigate. The Japanese don't care who killed Michael Kent. It's practically past the statute of limitations anyway. And they probably <laughs> figure he was into some dangerous business and some gangster killed him who they've already got locked up for something else. 
O'Hara reminded me that we were talking about a very tall gangster. Even better, I said. White on white crime, some foreigner killed by another foreigner. It wouldn't even make it to page six in the Japanese news. All they care about is a sword. You want to know what's really sad, O'Hara? They're not even here on police business. Ask them yourself. Ask them who paid for their tickets. Oh, sure, they're real police officers. But Tokyo Metro isn't going to fund them $10,000 to chase a case from 1994. They're doing this as a favor for the insurance people. I know my way around a sword. I know what a Muramasa is worth, and so do they. And ever since the insurance company paid Kent's Corporation for the lost Muramasa, they own it. I bet they've been wondering where it ended up. I don't know what they paid out on it, but that's the great thing about antiques. They're not liabilities. They're assets. Whatever you pay for them, they go up in value over time. If they paid out maybe $2 million in 1994, that's $10 million today. That's more than enough to offer a freebie trip for a couple of detectives to pick up something from a dumb-hit cop who's been passed over for promotion. <laughs> you get a priceless antique in an unlocked filing cabinet in an interview room. You forgot to tell me that tape was running, and you haven't realized yet that makes everything I've said for the last hour inadmissible as evidence. You let two Japanese cops on a busman's holiday buy you a drink and give you a nylon necktie, and you think that makes you some kind of Interpol expert? <laughs> so, what the Japanese call people like you, O'Hara? The window tribe. The one who gets shunted out into the typing pool and left to fly a desk for the last few years of their career. You're out by the window. You're the one who gets the old ladies looking for their cats and the nut jobs who think that aliens are listening to their thoughts. You're so outside the loop that when you call up and ask for coffee, the duty officer asks you, Who the hell are you? You're the first deck by the bathrooms. You're the closest to the drafty corridor. You're the furthest one away from the captain's office, and you're not going to see the inside until the day he gives you your carriage clock and a goodbye handshake. Are you getting all of this, you guys behind the glass? Are you picking this up? The cops here dumped you on the office jerk-off because they had you figured for a couple of tourists. <laughs> you know, O'Hara, I did know someone like you in Japan, in fact. Long before 1994. <laughs> way, way, way before that. He looked like you. He thought like you. Actually, <laughs> he even talked like you. In his way. He thought he had me all figured out. He wanted me for a crime that only existed in his head. He hated me for reasons I never quite worked out, and he had it in me for ways I won't even begin to describe. And you know what happened to him? Well, he lost his head. Goodbye, Detective. Okay, okay, there so much to unpack. So much. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> so he confesses to murder. <laughs> he threatens a cop. He threatens a cop. All right, we, all right let's start from the top. All right. All right, where, so, we, where should we start with So this? we've already kind of addressed that he figures, like, the, the, these Japanese cops are there. That doesn't make if And I sense. would love if this was filmed, like, on, on actual film, and they cut inside, and there is no one there. <laughs> that is just fucking idiot. Like, a deranged person <laughs> yelling and screaming. All the stuff about them owning the sword doesn't make... Probably doesn't make any sense. Any sense. Uh, he uses the phrase white on white, white crime. crime. Let's talk about that. Wow. Wow. All right. He's like, okay, first off, Japanese government is like, well, the statute of limitations is probably passed anyway. Almost certainly not. It's Very murder. Good. There's it's a statute murder. of limitations There's, on murder? It is almost certainly not a statute of limitations on murder. Almost certainly. Just throwing that out there. 
So that's one thing. Second, this is not a random white person who died. This is the CEO of a major international corporation <laughs> with a headquarters in your country. And he didn't just and he die. Was decapitated. He, he was decapitated <laughs> by someone who's tall, which doesn't mean that they're white. It just means that they're fucking tall, Mac DeZoy. <laughs> It might shock you to know there are indeed tall, tall Japanese people. people. Yeah, it's stunning, <laughs> stunning. So yes, the Japanese government, if they can figure out who killed a billionaire industrialist in their country, will probably try to figure that out. Right. Matt calls O'Hara a dumb hick cop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? Weird. It's like he, he Mac is a those... second away from yo mama jokes. He's <laughs> like, <laughs> really. <laughs> Your mama's such a bad cop. <laughs> she saw Rin Tin Tin and was like, sup, boss? <laughs> then, this is insane. He compares O'Hara to Saito. He's like, why? And he, uh, he's like, he wanted me for a crime that was only in his head. And I was like, one, it seems like that was a, a real crime. Like, maybe not a good crime. But law. it was indeed a crime. It was a crime. And also... Mac, like, shitting all over O'Hara. It's like, O'Hara, I think, figured this out. Like, he's not a dumb hick cop. Like, he's, like, seeing through a range of impossibilities. Like, wait a minute. Is it possible that you did this? Also, if you pulled Mac's passport, because one of the questions he asked is, do you have two passports? Lo, he will discover that he was in Japan when he was killed. At the time of the murder. Like, Mac's, like, kind of gaslighting this guy. Like, no, you're just an idiot. Like, but he figured it out. the crime in this case does exist in reality. It's called murder. Murder. And he did it. (laughs) You did it. Like, are we supposed to be sympathetic to Mac in this scene? No, I hate Mac. This he's a dickhead. You're a loser. You'll never amount to anything. You're a bad cop. You'll never get a promotion. You sit by the bathroom. (laughs) You're on cold cases because you're dog shit. Also, he's shitting all over these Japanese cops. How does he know they're involved in the insurance company? There's no reason to think that. No. If if he is now, his hackles are up, like, wait, am I the suspect of a crime? Why does he still think the insurance company is involved? Why would he think that? But wait, there's more. <laughs> he then goes into this whole thing. He's like, you didn't tell me this was recording. One, how does he know it's recording in the first place? If it wasn't immediately obvious it was recording, how does he now know it was recorded? Second off, I don't think that in most states you need someone's consent to record them, whether you're a police officer or not. Second off, you only need to give someone like Miranda rights and all that stuff once they're subject to custodial, what's called a custodial interrogation. So if you're talking about telling them about something else, you don't need to Mirandize them. You don't need to do any of that stuff. And if, as we're perhaps are led to believe Mac is initially here for completely innocent reason. And then all of a sudden this happens a little ambiguous about whether or not they need to do it. And why is Mac yelling about this guy about what's admissible in court anyway? (laughs) Yeah. Great question. (laughs) Also, it's not going to stop him from arresting you. That sounds guilty as shit. (laughs) It's not going to stop him from arresting you. And once you're rotting in jail, they can have a Miranda hearing for you like a couple months later to determine whether or not that statement's admissible. You dick. So, <sighs> woo, let's talk about uh, how this ends. I'm so, so upset about this. Okay. <laughs> so we, uh, final flashback here, Japan, Max going face-to-face with Saito. Turns out this guy is a total putz. He's a fraud. He he's is. never really fought with that sword. And he's never even fought in battle before, Right. it seem. I kind of like this little twist at the end. Maybe you guys hate it. Because he's like, you died. He's like, no man can have more than one death. There can be the only... <laughs> Alright, actually, now that, I, now that I say it out loud, I'm like, I don't think no, I'm No, he says, that. no one could have two deaths. There can be only one. Right. So bad. Okay. okay. It's not good. Alright. It's 
real bad, in fact. And that's it. Their swords clash, and Duncan murders a baby man that is, is incapable of fighting. And yeah. <laughs> Mac murders in cold blood a drunk. It is worth noting. Well, it's worth noting, one, that Mac reveals his immortality to various people. Sure. But second off, I just want to ha- go back to the point that Mac unfavorably compared a police officer who correctly suspected him of a crime to a man who cut him in half. <laughs> a man who was like, well, you know, you're a gaijin in my country. I will kill you with a sword. And he's like, well, you're just like this guy. No! Yeah, right down to the mayonnaise on your face. Yeah. yeah. He, he, his face, too, was covered in mayo. Side note, Keith, Side are tip. you aware that there is a... a <laughs> God damn it. That there is a suite of products out that is combinations of other condiments with mayonnaise? Like that dumb ranch, uh, like ketchup it's ranch. It's called like cranch. Cranch. Ew. All that there nonsense. Is, There's a barbecue aioli. Is ranch and mayonnaise aioli? Is <laughs> oh, I guess that's question? mayonnaise. No. But it is a Mr. Show gag, basically. Uh, yeah. The <laughs> mayo star. Mayo stirred annies. Yeah, and it's like got the similar name. Awesome. It's called mayo mus. Mayo. It's a terrible that's name. Worse. That's even And it's just worse. mayonnaise mixed with mustard. So a thing that saves you like four seconds of time. So dumb. Just give me the time. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> can, can we play a game so I can get this taste out of my mouth? Or did we finish yet? Oh, he throws the sword in the water. Yeah, yeah. sure. That's it. I will also say there's a bonus track on this uh that's like just like the soundtrack. soundtrack. It's like the soundtrack. And I was like, yeah. oh, that's nice they, nice they threw it in there, I guess. Yeah, you sure. paid good money for the shit. <laughs> but only on this and not on the other ones? No. I think yeah. this is the music for the, either is it just this episode or is it music that's used for the whole series? Uh, I skipped through it. <laughs> yeah, I kind of did too. I, I was like, to oh, what's in here? Meh, shrug. I didn't yeah. have 15 minutes. <laughs> yep. Guys, let's play a game. Woo! All right, guys, we're going to just be playing a little, uh, it's pretty simple, a little trivia game here. I don't want to cause controversy with any sort of rules, so if you know the answer, just say it, I guess, and yeah. we'll see how that goes. Sure. Hopefully there won't be any confusion who gets a point. Are you ready? And some, some of these are kind of all over the place. Uh, some are kind of Jeopardy style. Some are just give an answer. But here we go. Guys, what is a better way to start this sentence? Sam or me will pick you up from the train station today. Kyle? Yeah. Sam. Uh, I'll read it again. What is a better... That was your uh, only guess you could get. Uh, what is the... What? Amen. what is a better way to start this sentence? Sam or me will pick you up from the train station. Sam and I? Sam or I? Sam or I. Very good. Oh. You get the point. <laughs> oh, that's... I'm just, no. like, just, just remove the other reference and say Sam will pick you up. <laughs> nope. This 1989 Amir Shervan movie features Robert the Face Zadar taking on San Francisco's finest, played by Matt Hale. Yes. Samurai Cop. That is correct. This 2003 film stars Tom Cruise's Civil War veteran captain Nathan Algren. Yes. The Last Samurai. It is also correct. And is he a Civil War veteran, or did he fight for General Custer against Native Americans? He's a Civil War veteran. Okay. He may have also done that. Uh, well, that's the thing that's highlighted in the movie. Because ah. they have a long debate about whether General Custer is a, a hero or an idiot. Hmm. This 2001 television show features a time-hopping warrior fighting to find his way home, but a coup stands in his way. Say that again? This 2001 television show features a time-hopping, a time-hopping warrior fighting to find his way home, 
But Amen. Yes. Samurai Jack. That's right. Oh, oh good, good, good. These are all kind of movie questions. Uh, that was a TV show. Well, yeah, I, know. I meant media questions. Uh, media. This 1954 film went on to inspire Star Wars and was also remade for Americans with Yul Brenner, Steve McQueen, and Charles oh, Bronson. Shit. Amen. Yes. The Seven Samurai. That is correct. Yeah. A classic. This Japanese samurai has been featured in over 17 films. However, he would never be able to watch any of them himself. Amen. Yes. Zetu Ichi. That is correct. You are cleaning up. Uh, and then we got some bonus questions. Ready? What is the name of the 1989 remake of Zatuichi Challenge starring Rutger Hauer and Islander alumni Randall Tex Cobb? Ooh. Amen. Yes. Blind Fury. That is correct. Wow. Yes. Amen. Congratulations. You've won. Oh, thank you so much. How do you feel, you Kyle? Creamed me. I feel like creamed corn. Cool. Creamed corn. Mayonnaise on a detective's face. <laughs> that is what I feel like right now. Let's talk about it. Uh, who won the catalog game? Kyle, I Kyle, believe. tell us first. Rant away. <sighs> I've ranted my rant. This episode is like simultaneously more and less problematic than all of its peers. But the thing that I am hung up on is there is no plot to this episode. <laughs> Literally nothing happens. There is no conflict. There is no resolution. There is no connection. I don't know. I mean, there's a little bit of a conflict in the flash. I mean, Mac Mac escapes at the end. In the flashback, you mean? Yeah. There's sort of a conflict, but we already know we made it out, right? So I'm not worried that Mac's not going to But we could escape. say, uh, not to be argumentative, but we could say that about any flashback in the whole series. Like, oh, is Mac going to win this duel? But Obviously. they're always connected to a present-day plot sure, that sure. we know the deal. Like, the present-day plot is literally nothing. He comes in to appraise a sword. Somewhere in the middle of that, they ask him a few pointed questions, and he's just an asshole and <laughs> <Right>. walks out. <laughs> there is... Nothing else. He doesn't fix anything. He doesn't solve anything. He makes a series of dubious assertions that are frankly mean and dispiriting and then walks out. Of like somebody should call a counselor for O'Hara like, and put him on like a, a suicide watch. watch. Like a suicide yeah. watch. Like Mac, Mac cuts him to the quick. Yeah. <laughs> this is all pointless. And there's no plot really to the past either. I get captured. I get killed. For some reason, this guy shows up, and I literally slaughter him. (laughs) That is the plot. So, like, even though I am really thrilled that there's no magical nonsense in this, this plot is bad. It's among the worst. (laughs) Among the worst. Of any of these. Because nothing happens. It's vaguely racist. I, yeah. I, yeah, I don't know what else. There's nothing else to say. It's bad. It's all, and it's all just built on a bed of dubious pretenses that five seconds of research research could probably dispel. I can I say something? This is your favorite one. This is I, my favorite one. I, I feeling it would be. I don't love it. I especially hate the turn at the end. I don't understand how that it comes out of nowhere. It comes oh, out he's of nowhere. A super little puppy dog, right? He calls fuck him you, the, fuck you, fuck you, fuck <laughs> you. <laughs> I'm going to put you in a box and stomp on it. <laughs> I'm going to put you in a sack and throw you in the river. Uh, I The thing I really like about this, I actually, I like the story, like the device they use. I like that he's in an interrogation room and he's looking at an object 
and it's taking him like he's explaining a thing and then we're getting bits of the story like i feel like if they like made this story a little better it would function well like i didn't find this that confusing necessarily where some of the other stories i'm like wait where are they you know what i mean like they they move around so much like this was really simple it's like i'm gonna tell a story in the police room the police room (laughs) as they are called yeah he's asked by the question master i guess (laughs) (laughs) the police room in the police room uh but no i I think it's like effective an effective mechanic uh, or structure to tell a story it could be better and the burnt all that museum shit is fucked like mac is a why is mac a bad guy in every single one of these stories like it's always kind of seemingly accidentally like did these writers think like oh he looks like a real piece of shit i don't know or or weird key theory are they on our fucking wave wavelength guys and they're like we watched the show man this guy sucks like then when they wrote the the episodes they were like he's got to really be like holier than thou a real douchebag but we're not always like that with mac no like, and mac isn't all... always like that it's yeah he always this has was like, a choice lines where we're like "Ooh, that doesn't sound good mac this was a choice <laughs> a very bad choice do you hear that in there you hear that in there <laughs> yeah you won colombo guy why would <laughs> Why would you have seen Columbo in well, Japan? probably smoking a cigarette. Why do you think that? <laughs> he knows everything. Eamon, you have any thoughts? This is the least offensive one of all of them, maybe. But in some ways, also the most. It's probably yeah. the most literally offensive. I mean, it does it- have a, presumably a white guy doing a fake Japanese voice the whole episode. I didn't actually look him up to see if uh, he was actually I white. I think I did, and he's white. Yeah, so I'm like, cool, that's, that's fun. Hmm. Not a very consequential episode. No, this is the most like just straight ahead episode. This is I like mean, a season one or season three, as it were. Right. So I ragged on the plot. I do think this is among the worst plots, but it probably is my second favorite of these. Okay. Because it's contained. It doesn't do anything insane. In the membrane. Insane in the brain. Because we were talking about that membrane Ooh. earlier, right? That's right. Got to burn it off. Yeah. Burn it off. Got to burn that membrane. Maybe. I don't know. I feel like we've said most of what there is to say. Just out of curiosity, like, because we're we're obviously being very harsh on these. And Kyle, you made a comment earlier that the story, like the roller coaster story, like with a virus, like of all the stories you could tell, you jumped to that one. Yeah. But now we're kind of saying it would seem like this is too simple. This is like a season one -er. No, it's not that even that's too simple. It's that literally nothing, nothing happens. happens. So, like, where's the middle? Like, be, what kind of... There's that, see, I don't think it's a continuum. Like, things don't have to introduce fantastical elements. No, like, I, just, like, I was just going to ask, like, what kind of story would you like to see presented I in this format? This Something like this could work. Okay. But it's so poorly executed. Something kind of like the first one could work. But it's, again, just so poorly executed. At least those are Highlander-ish stories. Just like the one-sentence line of a powerful immortal comes to haunt Mac every ten years. Done. That's, like, a believable premise for, like, a Highlander episode. It's like, okay. Well, for this, why isn't it just Max being interrogated for this murder? Why couldn't that be it? It could be it. Like, there could be some other thing he's got to do. more dramatic. That's more tension. Yeah. At least the stakes are raised. Yeah. Because like, the stakes get raised for a second at the end, and Mac diffuses them with insults. Yeah. yeah. Like, he's like, I'm going to make you feel so bad for even <laughs> thinking this. Yeah. You're going to let me go. Yeah. Which is nuts. And I did it. <laughs> <laughs> the other, like. And I committed other crimes after this. <laughs> much like that Grindelwald fellow I've heard so much about. <laughs> This is what I thought was going to happen. I was wrong, obviously. 
I thought Goemon was going to be a pre-immortal. Like, when it, when they introduced that this is Kent's sword, that's obviously out the window. But it's like, okay, Mac meets him. Maybe he falls off the bridge. Maybe something like that happens. Like, they don't actually finish their duel, and he's like, all right, I, got, I just got to go. But then he sees the sword again, and he's like, oh, shit, this guy Goemon's around. Right. Like, he's still active somewhere. And he's there almost trying to interrogate the police to figure out, like, well, where'd you get this thing? Is there somebody out there? And maybe you have a resolution with this guy again. Right. At least that's, like, a plot that links the present-day plot more concretely with the past plot and gives him something to do in the present other than insult Japanese cops who probably aren't there. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Like, there's something to do. That would be one way to go about it. I'm not saying that's dynamite, but, like, it's a coherent... Highlander story. Let me concretely describe these cops that aren't here. <laughs> <laughs> One of them smells like cigarettes. What brand of cigarette, you may ask? Cools. <laughs> it does have this, like, almost noir vibe at the end. Like, I think, like, Mac putting this shit together feels like a noir plot. But he doesn't put anything together. He no. just wildly speculates and insults people. <laughs> yeah, one more question. God damn it. All right. Should we rate it? Anything else to say? No. Cool. Kyle, I don't know. How many torture posts would you give this? I give this a single torture post. One torture post. Look at you. Look at you. Not the worst one. Probably in terms of its bones, the best one. But there's something about the execution on this one that I somehow find even less for, like, I just find unforgivable. And it's maybe that outburst in the end just drives me so far up a wall that, like, I can't say this is the best one, which it otherwise would be. Mm. Amen. How many Japanese cops would you give this? Oh, boy. Well, unlike <laughs> the amount of Japanese cops imagined in this episode, I'm I'm doing one. I'm doing one, baby. Oh, so which one was there? Was it the old one or the young one who speaks English? I think it was the young one. Also, if you're sending two cops, why don't you – you're sending two cops. Why don't you send two cops who speak English? You've got the choice. <laughs> it's, a, it's apparently an option. I don't know. Maybe one was working the case already. No, oh, that's it. I don't know. But they're not working a case. They're doing an insurance thing. Or are they? Or are. Who knows? It doesn't matter. Go ahead. How many burnt records would you give this episode? 1.5? Okay. I almost went two, by the way. Oh, the the exact number of cops there might have been? Right. That definitely were there. Uh, <laughs> definitely were there. That end tor- really that tor- end torpedoed it for me. I li- I kind of did like this one. I was like, this is okay. This wasn't offending me that much uh, in terms of what its story was and adding a bunch of nonsense and magical elements that were never there before. But that end is just like out of nowhere and it's like jarring. It's so strange and Mac is, doesn't look good. So not good, guys. We're not <laughs> the track record on these. Woo. One more to go, though, so... Only one left. Hope you're enjoying this out there in podcast land. Thank Uh, the Emperor. May we not disgrace (laughs) him by counting episodes this way. Oh, my God. There's only one left. I also want to point out, uh, especially for our Patreon people, uh, well, I'm, like, looking at the camera. I don't think this part's going to make a... This isn't going to be a clip or anything. Uh, When we entered today, we had some other stuff planned. Uh, We're like, these are going to wrap up real quick. We won't have much to say. They'll be short episodes. We have talked for hours about these episodes today. We've talked for longer than these episodes are about these episodes. Absolutely. Yeah. That is how bad they are. (laughs) (laughs) So good stuff. Uh, As always, make sure to head over to our Etsy or Facebook page. Uh, And actually, you know what? We haven't gotten in a lot of iTunes reviews in a bit. That actually really means a lot to us. It's true. uh, Emotionally. Emotionally. It does. We really are needy and need attention and approval. So So please validate our existence with five stars 
on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever. Uh, it's really easy. Just go on your app. Rating us is easy. Spotify, if that's where you're Hey, uh, and typing up a review, I don't think it takes a second. You're, you're probably at your desk right now. You're in your, you're in your car. I mean, just, you don't know. Don't do it while driving. Eh, you can probably get away with it. Uh, <laughs> if it's, just do it for this. Just this one time. It'll be okay. But officer, I was writing a review of the Highlander <laughs> Rewatch podcast. You're free to go. That's right. Sounds like they got a real O'Hara, a real dipshit cop. He just mustered into my call as he spoke to me. Mustard. (laughs) Mayonnaise. Damn it. Whatever. All right. Good. We're done. (laughs) Thanks again for joining us this week. We've been your rewatchers. I'm Keith. This is Kyle. This is Eamon. Bye. Where is your God now? And that is Keith talking. This is Kyle. And this is Amy. Let's do that.